The story you're about to hear was told to me in the strictest of confidence. Certain names, dates and locations have been changed to protect that confidence. Events that feature in this story may be part of the public record. If you believe you recognise any of the people, places or events that appear in this story, ask you not to reveal any information publicly, out of respect for the subject's right to remain anonymous. And you're listening to the New Ghost Stories podcast, where we delve into the New Ghost Stories archive to hear witness accounts of the supernatural. Stories that could be delusions, lies, fantasies, or perhaps even the real thing. Just don't make your mind up until you've listened. When I sit down to write the introductions to these podcasts, I often find myself writing something along the lines of, this is a particularly strange case, or this is a very dark case, or this case is more unsettling than usual. And to some extent, it's always true. These are stories of the supernatural. Every one of these cases is strange and unique in its own way. There's always some particular feature that makes my hair stand on end or stops me in my tracks. These stories are not normal stories. That said, I do however feel the need really to say that from today's episode really is a bit different than usual. And that's worth saying because sometimes new listeners to the podcast will listen to the most recent episode first. This case is more of a slow burner and a bit longer than the average episode so it might not be the best place to start the podcast if you're interested in more immediate scares and suspense. I recommend heading back to the start of the season, or perhaps even earlier into the show's timeline. That's not to say that you won't find this episode rewarding once you delve into it. One of the things we've talked about before on this podcast is about how ghost stories are as much about the living as they are about the dead. They're about our fears and our mortality, of course, but also about guilt, about injustice, and in this case, about paranoia. This is a story that, and this might sound strange to say, both is and isn't about ghosts. It's how the prospect of a haunting brings other issues to the fore. Some of those issues are personal to the subject, others say things about the world we live in today. If I had to put an adjective to this one, I'd say it was perhaps the most curious of all the new ghost stories cases so far. I don't think I want to say much more about it than that. I'll, as always, leave the final judgment to you. This is New Ghost Stories case number 356, and it's called No Good Deed. And you can hear it in full, uninterrupted, after these messages. Before we start, I want to ask a quick favour. If you've been enjoying the podcast, I'd really appreciate it if you could give the show a review. It really helps people to find the show and for me to share it with new listeners. You can review the show on Apple Podcasts or on the Spotify mobile app if you go to the show page and tap the three dot button. 
It really does make a huge difference. Thank you. And now, on with the story. Thanks for cleaning the place up, love, she said. I leapt up from the sofa. What's that? Thanks for cleaning the place up. It was in a real state this morning. It wasn't me, I said. I only got home an hour before you. But enough time to start dinner without me. I'd hoped the bottle of Bollinger might have earned me some brownie points, but apparently not. But if it wasn't you, who was it? I don't know, I said, taking a sip. That's a really good question. You weren't back at all during the day, were you? I was at the shoot. She joined me on the sofa. You don't think it was one of the builders, do you? I wouldn't have thought so. They're only good at making a mess. I mauled the thought over for a moment. Unless they're trying to hide something. Chelsea gave me her you're so paranoid look. Have you checked to see if anything is missing? I asked. It's more likely to be Nita. She was here to let them in this morning. Nita is Chelsea's chief doer of things. In a sense, it is her job to clean up after her. But it seemed a stretch for her to take on domestic chores. It was one thing to do the washing up, but even the floor was sparkling. That was all that was said about it that night. Chelsea started to tell me about the smoothie vlogs she'd been recording. She was happy to accept a random act of kindness and to leave it at that. I was more suspicious. I'm in security. And although this was a mundane mystery, as mysteries go, it still sat uneasily with me. You should really know who is coming in and out of your home and what they're doing. It played a bit on my mind. I was woken up early that next morning by the builders arriving. I shouldn't really complain they're doing what they're paid for, but a lie-in would have been appreciated. I brushed my teeth and went downstairs. I saw Nita standing in the hall. Just as I was about to speak to her, a loud drill started thundering from the basement, so we had to go outside, with me still in my dressing gown and slippers. I was just asking how they were doing in there. They seem pretty good at taking things down, she answered. Only time will tell if they're any good at putting them back up again. I wanted to ask if you did us a favour yesterday. Our kitchen was all spick and span when we got home. Somebody out of the goodness of their heart gave the place a good clean and tidy. Wasn't me, I'm sorry to say. I was only here a few minutes yesterday to let them in. It's very strange. A nice strange thing, as strange things go. Do you think the builders might have done it? They don't strike me as a tidy bunch. Well, it has to be someone. And they're the only ones coming in and out of the house. Makes me worried they've done something and are trying to cover it up. Is anything missing? Nita has her head screwed on. Not that I can tell. I could ask them. Probably worth a go. I just want to know who and why. The drilling sound stopped suddenly. There followed a number of raised voices in accents and languages I couldn't comprehend. Nita rolled her eyes. I'll check in with them. I would appreciate it. As she stepped inside, I spotted a neighbour pass through their front gate. Morning, I said. They gave me a dirty look and did not return the greeting. They all think I'm building a mega basement under the house. Some of them actually complained to the council about us. Hardly the most pleasant welcome to the neighbourhood. I had to show some inspector the plans and convince them that we weren't going to add any new levels. We're just redeveloping the space without expanding it much. 
we are lowering the floor, but that's not the same thing. We're converting it into a mixed media space for Chelsea, so she won't need to keep renting studios or show homes. The plan is for it to be one half kitchen, one half yoga studio, with movable panels that can be slid around so she can shoot against different backdrops if she wants to. It's all very well designed. It would have to be for the money we're spending on it. The drilling started again. Perhaps we'd be more popular if we weren't doing this first thing in the morning and on a Saturday. I could ask them to start later, although that would impact the schedule. It would need consideration. I went upstairs for my shower. While I was shaving, I noticed the bathroom was looking pretty spotless too. A closer inspection proved I was not imagining it. There was not a speck of lime scale, a single watermark or dried flake of toothpaste to be found. The bathroom was in a better state even than the kitchen. Even our towels had been carefully arranged in the closet. It was the most bizarre thing. Why would someone clean our bathroom for us and do such a good job of it? I was totally flummoxed. I was alone most of the day. Chelsea and Nita were off at some health food event. I should have been busy. My company was preparing to make a bid for the security contract of an auction house that was moving premises. This was an opportunity for us to trial our new integrated approach. We'd purchased a data and IT company last year. We were trying to offer the complete package, not just in-person security for the doors and the vaults and the men at the front desk, but antivirus, facial recognition, databases, tracking, a really wide-ranging package of security measures. It was an important pitch, but I couldn't keep my mind on it. If it wasn't me, or Chelsea or Nita, and the builders didn't know anything about it, then who could it be, and why? If someone was in the house without our permission, why would they clean of all things? The irony wasn't lost on me, working in security and yet wondering if someone was sneaking into my home with a feather duster and some toilet duck. Chelsea boasts a large number of followers on Instagram and Twitter and other things. Could someone have recognised her locally? And were they strange enough to get some kind of kick out of cleaning up after her? There are many peculiar people in this world, and she shares so much with complete strangers. I put my security hat on. I made a fresh inspection of the property, checking locks and so forth. Windows on the bottom floor were all bolted shut, though not locked, an improvement we should make. It would be too conspicuous to break in from the front garden because of the pedestrian traffic. From the back you could only get to the garden by scaling over the fences of the neighbours' gardens. It was possible but also unlikely. The lock on the back door wasn't exactly formidable, but adequate, and there were no signs of forced entry. The obvious point of weakness was the front door. Workmen were coming in and out of the house. It wouldn't have been difficult for someone to sneak in while they weren't looking and that assumes the workmen were even taking care to lock it behind them. I felt a bit foolish. We could have easily been robbed. I managed to have a conversation with the chap who seemed to be in charge and reminded him of the need to ensure the door was locked. I would ask Chelsea to double-check to see if anything was missing. It's easy to be complacent in what looks like a nice neighbourhood, but you never know who's about. The plan for the evening was to meet Chelsea at our new local. Our friends Ash and Linda were coming, and there'd be Archie, the annoying botanist who fawns over Chelsea. 
He hangs on her every word in the forlorn hope he may someday get into her knickers. I don't know why I thought Chelsea wouldn't want to talk about our mysterious cleaner. I was at the bar and I came back and Archie, who gets shrill after two or three, blurts out, Hey, Chelsea was just telling us about your phantom maid. I beg your pardon? Your mystery cleaner. Oh, that, I said, glaring at Chelsea. I know that look, she said. I've shared too much. She'd had a good few slugs of wine herself. That's the look he gives me when I mention him on Twitter. Don't you want to be famous, Graham? said Linda. Not especially. We have an agreement, Chelsea began. I'm not allowed to mention him without his permission, and I never give his last name, and I can't show our house in any of my photos. There's nothing wrong with a little privacy, I said. He's worried people are going to find out about his model car collection, Chelsea replied. Archie guffawed idiotically. He was sitting on a stool within reach. I was quite prepared to push him off. What's this about a mystery cleaner? asked Ash. I explained the situation to them, and Ash replied, Well, that sounds all right. I wouldn't mind coming home and finding everything nice and clean sometimes. You get that already, hissed Linda. Yeah, but their cleaner's not making a big song and dance about it. Ash dodged Linda's sharp elbow. Graham thinks it's a cleaner who doesn't know we've moved in and that the old owners have gone. This was my new theory. Makes more sense than anything else I can come up with. Either the old owners didn't cancel their services, or a mistake was made, and someone was sent over by mistake. They must either have a key, because there's no sign of a break-in, or they just walked in because the builders weren't paying attention. Either that, or it's a ghost, said Archie. Chelsea made a ooh sound. Could be, could be, she said jokingly. Have you ever heard that old legend about the ghost who cleaned out the stables? Go on, I sighed, knowing he'd carry on anyway. It's about a woman who looks after horses. Her husband dies and she starts struggling for money. She gets worried she'll have to give the horses up because she doesn't have the time or money to care for them. Then one day she comes home and finds the stables have been mucked out and the straw's been changed and the troughs are full up. She doesn't know how or why. She asks around. No one she knows has been up to the house. No one owns up to being the one, but it keeps on happening. Time after time, she comes home and finds the stables clean and the horses fed. So she decides to write a letter. She wants the person to know whoever it is, how much she appreciates all their help, and if there's absolutely anything she can do to repay them. She puts the letter in an envelope and decides to put in some money, 40 quid or something, just as a token of thanks. Then she leaves the envelope by the stable door. That evening when she gets home, she walks up to the stable door and sees her note and the money torn into shreds and scattered on the path. She goes inside and finds the horses have been slaughtered. They've been cut open with all their blood and guts thrown up the walls and across the hay. It's an equestrian bloodbath. Chelsea grimaced. Linda wasn't much impressed either, though Archie seemed very pleased with himself. No one ever finds out what happened or who did it, and no criminal is ever caught. Better not try to thank your helper then, said Ash. I don't have any pets, I said, although the neighbours have a cat. 
I could warn them. I thought the neighbours hated you, said Linda. Yes, I sighed. Not the cat's fault, though. Aren't you supposed to be in security, Graham? said Archie. How come there's strangers going into your house? So easy just to push him off. Me and Chelsea walked home just before last orders. Though she had seemed in good spirits, I could tell she was somewhat unnerved. We don't have anything to worry about, do we? They were going to come home to blood dripping down the walls or something. No, but this is quite a big deal when you think about it. Well, yes, kind of, I said. I'm concerned that someone has been able to get into our house, but if they've only cleaned up the kitchen and the bathroom, we haven't exactly been let badly off out of it. We walked on a little further. You don't think it could be a ghost? Oh, come off it. You never know. Being a wellness influencer, Chelsea spends an awful lot of time talking about a whole range of new age nonsense. She acts like these things are just a bit of fun, but I suspect that's more for my benefit. If you watch her videos, she seems very enthusiastic about aura readings and energy rocks and other twaddle. I would hope the dead have better things to do than organise our bathroom towels. Doesn't bode well for the afterlife. You laugh, but you can't explain it, can you? I've my suspicions. I've said what they are. I just hope it's some mistake and nothing bad happens. Archie's such an idiot. I don't know why you put up with him. Shush, Archie's a sweetheart. You'd get on if you just gave him a chance. Chelsea likes everyone. But then everyone likes Chelsea. She's charming and beautiful. Everyone wants to be her friend. We arrived home just before midnight. Chelsea had popped to the bathroom and I was pouring us a nightcap. When I went for the glasses, I saw that the dishes had all been done. I'd made a salad niçoise for dinner and had not had time to clean up. Now everything had been washed, dried and put away. By the time Chelsea had returned to the kitchen, I was running about the house, re-examining all the windows and doors. The door was locked when we came in, wasn't it? I asked her. Of course it was, what's the matter? I explained and she started laughing. I'm sorry, she said. It's just seeing you run around in a panic because someone's done the dishes. But only a minute ago, you were saying how worried you were. I know, I know. You just look so... I don't know, it's mad, isn't it? I was wound up, but she was right. No sane person would break in to clean our house for us, and no cleaning service would ever turn up on Saturday night. I gave this some thought. I'm going to try something. I went to the kitchen cupboards and took out a couple of glasses and a few ramekins. I placed the glasses on the table, the ramekins on the side. I took a knife from the rack, placed it on the chopping board. What are you doing? I'm running a test, I said. I opened up the bin and took out a few wrappers, nothing that would really leave a mess, just a few things to tidy up. I want to see what happens. Let's see how fast and on the ball our cleaning phantoms are. You want to stay up and watch? No, I'm going to bed. Let's see where we are in the morning. Hopefully we don't get murdered in our sleep. We did live to fight another morning. 
I crept downstairs a little after 8.30am, and wouldn't you know it, it had all been tidied up. I did a check of all the locks again. No one could have entered the house. It's unbelievable, said Chelsea. She seemed quite excited now. You're not going to tell your followers, are you? I'd get so many shares, it would go totally viral, she smiled at me. But I won't, promise. I don't want people to think I've gone crazy. The video of her undergoing crystal therapy suddenly came to mind. I decided I needed a coffee. I was out of ideas, this was just too bizarre. I suppose I could change the locks. What for? Or because... Because there's no such thing as ghosts. But who did this then? I need to think, I said, sitting down by the kitchen table. Short of this being some elaborate practical joke, I really had no idea. You're looking at this the wrong way. We don't have to get a cleaner now. Let's just call this a weird stroke of luck. <laughs> Weird's the word. What harm's it doing? Yesterday you were worried about dead horses. Archie doesn't know what he's talking about. Then if we just leave it alone, this is a real blessing. Something in this house likes us so much, it wants to help us out. That's kind of amazing, isn't it? I didn't know what even to say about that. Be grumpy if you want to. It's Sunday and I don't have to do the washing up. It's a great start to the day. She went back upstairs. As the coffee brewed, I decided to take a look around. I couldn't remember what state the living room had been in before. It was also looking very tidy now. I wandered towards my study. My papers had been left as they were undisturbed on my desk. Yet there was not a spot of dust in the rest of the room and my monitor and keyboard had both been wiped down. Wandering into the laundry room, I was genuinely shocked to find that all my laundry had been put in the wash and was now hanging outside on the line. If I wasn't so unsettled by it, I'd be over the moon. We had help that had the initiative to do things on their own without disturbing anything they shouldn't. I managed to get a little further with the auction house pitch that afternoon, though I remained distracted throughout the day. When was it even doing all these things? Was it just overnight? Or was I going to turn around and catch a spectre emptying the bins? Chelsea had a meeting in Manchester first thing Monday, and she was going a day ahead to meet with friends. A new lifestyle brand called Ever All was considering her as a potential brand ambassador. She thought this might be a good opportunity to raise her profile and gain some traction with legacy media. I kissed her goodbye on the doorstep. I'd say don't make a mess when I'm gone, but now you can make as much mess as you like. I smiled faintly as she hopped down the stairs. Nita helped her with her cases and hopped into the taxi after her. It was so very Chelsea to adapt to the benefits of a situation quickly. She's so used to people doing things for her. It is, after all, how we met. I was at a hotel in Edinburgh, attending a conference, and she came running into the lobby. She'd just been mugged. She was shaken up and in a panic, a beautiful damsel in distress. I took her through all the steps she needed to take to cancel her cards, block her phone, and get her data back from the cloud. Later that evening, she came over to me while I was in the bar, and I offered her a drink. 
She'd come to Edinburgh for a modelling job, one of her first. She'd been a fitness instructor, hoping to get a qualification in sports medicine. She hadn't really wanted modelling work, but the extra money was an ongoing enticement. I was taken aback that she hadn't been better advised. She'd come all this way to meet with virtual strangers on her own. Getting mugged was bad enough, but worse things can happen. I found myself going into the ins and outs of personal security. I gave her my number so she could call me if she thought anything was wrong with the people she was meeting. This is the thing with Chelsea. She seems naive and wide-eyed, but she's shrewd enough to take an opportunity when she sees it. Before you know it, you're giving her things she needs and wants, and you hand it right over without even realising it, all for a smile from someone bright and beautiful, with a far-off hope it might lead to something else. Turned out to be my lucky day. When I checked on her in the morning, I was brave enough to ask her to dinner, and that went so well she spent the night in my suite. The stars lined up for me in the way that they seemed to line up for Chelsea all the time. Maybe she had the right philosophy. This was a bizarre but beneficial fluke. That afternoon as I prepared a duck and Toulouse sausage cassoulet, I looked at all the mess I was creating and thought, if someone wants to clean this up for me, why not let them? What harm was there really in it? But I couldn't help but remain curious. As I ate, I wondered what the rules were. How long did it take our spook to take action? There was no immediate cleaning after I'd finished my main course. Instantaneous service was not available. It was not until the morning that everything was sparkling and in its right place. It seemed our spirit preferred to do its work overnight, or at least while it was unseen. I was in meetings for almost all the next day. The tech boys were giving us a demonstration of their latest facial recognition cameras. This could mean the days of ID cards and scanners were at an end. Access to secure areas could be granted via your appearance only, hard to fake and much harder to lose your ID. There were other creative applications for this hardware. Our independent consultants, private investigators and current and former police officers could alert us to dangerous parties who might present a risk to our clients. We could then preload their facial profiles into our system so we could be alerted if they ever came within the vicinity of any protected assets. This struck me more as a gimmick. Parties that could pose a risk would include most of London's criminal underworld, not to mention careless members of the public. A criteria would need to be created unless they felt we could directly link to Scotland Yard's full database. That would cost more than the usual 200 quid under the table to a detective sergeant. There was also the whole data protection question over keeping people's information without permission. I was sure we'd find a way. The owners of the auction house were Saudis. They were very taken with gadget bling. That night I prepared my signature avocado caprese salad. The meeting had gone well and Chelsea was excited. And I was in good spirits too. The proposal was finally coming together. We were in a celebratory mood. A little later we were lying in bed together and the subject of the cleaning ghost came back around. I admitted I was coming around to the idea. My shirts are all there, ironed and in the wardrobe. I may not even need the laundrette anymore, I said. 
you can't argue with good service. I just wonder why the people who lived here before never mentioned this. Because we'd have called them crazy and not put a bid on. Yeah, I suppose that's true. I still can't work it out, though. I assumed it was doing it all during the night. But if that's true, how did all my clothes get to be drying outside? And when did it bring them back inside? Oh, Graham, don't ask questions, she said with a little hiss. Don't interfere with it. I'm just trying to understand how it works. No, don't. Don't you remember Archie's story? I thought you didn't believe that nonsense. You didn't believe in ghosts two days ago. I rolled my eyes. It might be a made-up story, she said, but let's be careful just in case. I don't want to have to worry about something weird happening. We've been really lucky with this. Tell me you'll leave it alone and enjoy the perks? Okay, okay, I'll leave it alone. Promise me you won't do any more investigating or do a background check or whatever on it? I promise you I'll happily take this opportunity to not lift a finger. Good, she replied. I regretted my promise almost immediately. I watched my wife as she slid out of bed. She went over to her underwear drawer to put on clean panties. She opened it up, started to rummage around inside, and she said, Oh, he's been going through here as well. I sat up. I beg your pardon. The ghost. It's been going through my things too. She took out clean panties. Everything's been sorted together. It's never been so tidy. She slid them on and jumped back into bed. She pecked me on the cheek, then turned out the light. I stared into the darkness. You called it he, I said. Hmm, she said, bumping her pillow. Why did you call it he? Oh, I don't know. We have to call it something. Maybe we should think of a name for it. She was out pretty quickly, leaving me with some extremely uncomfortable thoughts. Cleaners are usually women, assuming that what we had here was a classic ghost of someone who lived. Although there have been male valets, gentlemen's gentlemen, but surely it will be a woman, almost certainly. I didn't sleep well at all that night. The next morning I was standing drowsily in the shower, and while I was washing, I had a sudden feeling that I might not be alone. I looked into the glass shield. I couldn't see much through the steam, but if there was someone there watching me, how would I know? I turned off the water and stepped from behind the glass. There was no one visible in the bathroom, except me. But I was dealing with something that could do what it wanted, secretly while no one was looking. So how would I know when it was looking? And where did it hide itself when we weren't looking, if it hid itself at all? I looked into the bathroom mirror. I wiped away the steam, and I looked at me, looking back at myself. And for some reason I whispered, Are you there? There was a bang on the door and I almost had a heart attack. Chelsea was running late. I went out and she strode in. I felt like warning her. But about what exactly? I had no reason to believe there would be something in there with her. But I couldn't be sure. 
I kept quiet about it. Before I left for work, I looked into the kitchen. It was as spotless as we were now coming to expect. I thought to myself, don't you try to get into my good books now. I know what you're up to. It's not easy having a beautiful partner. You're always aware of people looking. She acts as if she doesn't know or she brushes it off. But she does know. She enjoys the attention. She understands the power it gives her. And she uses it. She must know deep down what men are thinking. Does she really think they're all jumping up to do things for her because they're nice? It's not really naivete. It's denial. It's convenience. So why ask questions? Take while they're giving and put consequences to one side. Once, when she was considering an underwear shoot, I asked her if she knew that men would be touching themselves to her pictures. She made a big show of being outraged, then denied that they would, and said she didn't want to think about it, which is close to the real truth of it all. If her profile does rise beyond the influencer circuit, I have no idea how I'll protect her. I'd already estimated the costs of a full-time bodyguard. Yes, everyone's nice to her now, but men expect to get things in return. No one does anything for nothing. Maybe it was nothing. This thing could be benign. But it was the not knowing that was driving me crazy. How was I supposed to assess the risk? Chelsea had expressed concern about it being upset, just as an Archie's stupid story so she at least understood it could have its ugly side, just as she knew there was only so much she could take from the men she let fawn over her. I was breaking a promise, but it was for both our sakes. Before the day was out, I paid a visit to the tech team to get the brief loan of a small camera. I made an excuse about the neighbour's cat making a mess in our garden. The guys showed me how to operate it independently, so I could upload the footage to my private account. With most of these home cameras, the video is kept by the supplier. It can be accessed by their staff without your permission at any time. It's scandalous. I checked Chelsea's diary. She was meeting with her management and would probably get home before me. But I didn't want to wait. I'd have to find a moment to install the camera while she was distracted. Just arriving home gave me a chill. I felt an unexplained feeling of strangeness like I could sense a presence. There really could be someone waiting for me in every room, around every corner. I stuck close to her that evening. At least if I was there, this thing would have the sense to keep its distance. I wondered if I made a mess across the house, I could keep it busy and away from us. She was on her phone most of the evening anyway, scrolling, tweeting, responding. I didn't follow her under my real name to avoid any association. The chatter was mostly asinine, positive comments on friends' posts, general shout-outs, some people saying nice things, some people not so much. I didn't have to scroll far to see some pretty ugly comments. If Chelsea was bothered by anything, I couldn't tell. Occasionally she'd lean over to show me some meme or gif. I'd pretend to be amused. I couldn't understand why she enjoyed making such an exhibition of herself. Didn't she ever feel like switching off and being alone? As she got ready for bed, I wanted to warn her that we didn't know who might be watching. 
If he didn't know that going through a man's wife's underwear was crossing a line, there was no way to know what it might get up to. Once I saw she was asleep, I slipped out of bed and went downstairs to the kitchen. The dishes were still dirty. There was still time to catch it in action. The perfect spot for the camera was just above the blinds on the window next to the door. I had to work quickly. If I was here, it could easily make its way to the bedroom while I was distracted. As I sat eating breakfast the next day, I stared up at the lens and wondered what images it had captured. The cleaning had taken place as normal. I was enormously tempted to download the video and view it right there. But I had to get to work. I heard Chelsea laughing in the hall. She was talking to one of the builders. He didn't need to be talking to her. I shouted her over and we talked about her weekend plans. I had a full day of meetings and I couldn't view the footage on my phone. The platform was better suited to desktop. As the meetings dragged on, I had to make peace with the fact I'd have to wait till I got home. In a stroke of luck, Chelsea texted me to say she was having drinks with friends after work. I declined the invitation and went straight back. I followed the instructions and managed to connect to the camera. I could see myself sitting behind my laptop on the live feed. With just a few clicks, I was able to access the previous night's recording. I poured myself a whiskey. It occurred to me that I was about to do something potentially quite extraordinary. I was about to take a glance into the unknown. To watch a ghost in action, I felt a buzz of excitement and anticipation. Or so I thought. Winding through hours of video is not much fun. The program is supposed to bookmark motion, but there weren't any bookmarks. I was just watching an empty room in the dark. I wound on and on, and then, just after 3am in the morning, something strange finally happened. The image began to flicker, just a twitch at first, as if something was disrupting the signal. Slowly, coming from the bottom right corner of the screen, the picture started to distort. It was like one of those early digital screens. When you pressed your fingers against it, the picture would blur. This blur extended across the screen like ink soaking into paper. It grew to cover the countertops and then the oven and the sink. Then the image started to flicker on and off before the whole thing cut out. I wound the video forward. The software is supposed to mark any signal cutouts too. It took two hours before the image came back on again. It was the same clear picture as before, except that the kitchen was spotlessly clean. I looked up for my laptop. The sight in front of me matched what was on the screen exactly. I'd captured nothing I could use as evidence, but I still felt a chill. It had brought home not just how out of the ordinary this was, but that this thing had some kind of power of its own. What are you watching? I jumped out of my chair. Chelsea was home and standing right behind me. Jesus, I cried, slamming the laptop shut. What's the matter? Don't sneak up on me like that. I didn't sneak, I just got home. What were you watching? I couldn't think of an answer straight away, so Chelsea made an assumption. Really? she said. In the kitchen? No, it was some footage from work. 
I was just taking a look at the software. Okay, she said, unconvinced. I couldn't show her what was on screen or she'd know about the camera. As if I'd watch porn in the kitchen and with the windows open. But she wouldn't listen. When she'd gone upstairs, I opened my laptop again. I was about to close the video app, but I spotted something new. Just in the window, the angle of the camera made it a little hard to make out. At first, I just thought it was a shadow cast from the front garden. It was only on closer inspection that I could see more of a human shape. I was holding the screen right up to my face before I realised I could just zoom in on the image. Of course, the video quality declines, but it was unmistakably a human shape and quite a large figure. This was not a feminine shape. It was definitely a man. And then the penny dropped. There was no way I could see a shadow in the dark of night. The video had ceased to play. I was watching the live stream. I looked up from my screen and then jumped from my seat and backed up against the wall. I think I was a little scared. When I looked into that window, I could see nothing. But when I looked at my laptop, the shape of a figure was unmistakable. I didn't know whether to watch the monitor or I could see it, or the window, where it really was. I thought to scream for Chelsea, but then the thing was suddenly gone. I raced over to the window. The last of the day's sun was shining through, making me think for a second it might have been a shadow from the trees after all. But a shadow couldn't vanish like that. So what was it? I watched the video back, trying to see how long it had been there, watching. I'd confirmed my worst fear. A man was spying on us and going through our private things. How was I going to explain this to Chelsea without revealing I'd broken my promise? Then I thought, if it was no longer here with me, where was it now? I could hear Chelsea's footsteps upstairs. I rushed up there to keep an eye on her. This is the nightmare of being observed constantly. You have no sense of when you're alone, if you're ever alone at all. Now every sound could be the sound of someone watching. Every shadow, the aspect of someone watching. Chelsea was actually in good spirits that evening. The lifestyle brand was sending a contract out to her management in the morning. She had found favour with the brand's founder, Gus. She soon forgave the imagined indiscretion of earlier. But there are just some things that are hard to do when you think you're being watched. It was so frustrating. She could tell I was distracted keeping something from her. She got in a huff. I just needed time to think. I snuck downstairs after she'd fallen asleep to take the camera down. I didn't want her finding it, even though there was surely more I could learn. I sat down and replayed the file, watching the two clips over and over. It was difficult to see exactly when the shadow appeared in the window. It seemed to appear gradually. I got more and more tired as I wound back and forth, forgetting where I was and what I was looking at, watching me, watching myself, watching the shadow, over and over, in an endless loop. In the morning I was up before her again, ensuring the bathroom appeared clear before letting her use it. 
When she'd finished and caught me standing guard outside, things got snippy. What is it with you lately? I was just waiting to say goodbye to you, darling. Have you even had breakfast? I need to be in the office early for a meeting. I pecked her on the cheek and I went to walk downstairs, except I slipped. I fell about halfway down, sliding on my side. I managed to grab the handrail to stop myself going all the way to the bottom. My side and hip had taken a bashing. My ankle was already hurting. Chelsea ran down to help me up. It's okay, I said. What happened? Did you slip? Guess I must have, I said. But had I? You need to sit down. It's nothing, I'm fine. You're limping. It's just a little fall, I'm fine. I put my foot down at the bottom of the stairs and it did hurt. It hurt quite a lot. You don't have to be a martyr, Graham. A fall can be really serious. I'm okay. I keep telling you, I'm not 80, you know. I was starting to tremble. Fine. I've no clue what's wrong with you at the moment. I found the bag with the camera equipment placed next to my shoes and coat. I didn't remember putting it there. Was this a smug little reminder to my own business? I slammed the door behind me. All the way to work. I was obsessing. Had I slipped or was I pushed? It had happened so quickly, but I felt there was a force. Maybe I was a bit careless, but if I'd only stumbled, I wouldn't have fallen as hard as I did. Was this its plan to get me out of the way? I had started to investigate now. I had captured it on video. Was this a warning to leave it alone? I left it alone, then it would still be there, leering at my wife. Did it really think I was going to let it do that? Not only did this thing have designs on my partner, but it wanted me out of the way too. I had no choice. Action had to be taken. But goodness knows what. I had no Ghostbusters in my address book. I would have to take Chelsea into my confidence. Come clean about it all. I couldn't keep up watching her when I didn't even know if the damn thing was even there. Perhaps I could rig up more cameras. We had heat-sensitive things at work too. But what would the point be? I knew what we had. What I needed was a strategy for dealing with it. I arrived home that night anxious and in a foul mood, with a slight limp. What I didn't need was for Archie to be there. After saying hello to me, I might as well have been invisible. While I poured myself a drink, Chelsea was showing him the free active wear samples she'd received from Everall, and he was feigning interest, talking about wicking fabrics and mesh. It was nauseating. Chelsea left the room and there was an awkward silence. You have a good day, he said, acknowledging the void. Fine, fine. After a prolonged silence, I added, Are you going to try them on? Sorry? Try them on. Don't be shy. You seem so interested. Uh, yeah, not really my kind of thing, mate. Are you sure? Because I've been here for 30 minutes and you've talked about nothing else. I marched over to the table and picked up a sports bra. Might be a bit tight on you, but try it and see. I threw it at him. Don't be shy. It's the 21st century. We're very tolerant of faggots and queers.
What the fuck? He squawked. Come on, Archie. I got into his face. If you're not here for the merchandise, what are you here for? What is going on? Chelsea had returned. Here she is. Now's your chance, Archie, son. Make your case. I even promise I'll step aside for you, if that's what she wants. Archie looked pleadingly at Chelsea. I don't know what's got into him. I'm just going to go. He reached for his coat. Chelsea walked him to the door. I could hear him professing his innocence on the way. Once he was gone, she came storming back. What is wrong with you? I just get tired of it. Him hanging around you all the time, it's pathetic. Oh, Christ, he's my friend. He's interested in what I do. Oh, come off it. That's not what he's interested in. Why do you always think people are after something? You know, sometimes relationships are just nice. People are just nice. Archie isn't here talking about yoga pants because he wants to know about smart fibres, darling. You know what? It doesn't matter to me if Archie isn't really interested because it's what friends do. They talk and share and get along. You're so innocent. Can you really be that naive? Naive? I'm the one out there every day talking with people, building relationships, connecting with people. And you think that's all real, do you? You think those are real people? They're not fake, Graham. They mean something. Why are you so suspicious of everyone? I know what people are like. There's always a price to pay. It's not a price, Graham. It's called sharing. People connect with each other and they share things and they get along. It's reciprocal. It's what normal people do. Except that you get paid for it. I don't get paid for it. It's what your whole business model is built on. Yes, but that's different. It's only because people like what I do and because I've built those relationships that you can take advantage of them. I'm not taking advantage. People promote their content. We all know the rules. It's transactional. Everything in life is. Is that what we are? Transactional. That is not what I'm saying. You know how I feel about you. You think I'm a child. I don't think that. That I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just trying to protect you. Like a child. For God's sake, Chelsea. I don't care about Archie or your social accounts or how old you are. We have an intruder in the house. There's someone here right now watching us. She glared at me. What are you talking about? What do you think? We have a ghost here living with us. Something that can come and go as it pleases. It could be here with us right now. For crying out loud, Graham. I knew you were paranoid, but this is something else. You don't know what it is or what it's really doing. How could I make this clear to her? It seems to be cleaning up after us. What about this morning? Do you think I just fell downstairs by accident? She started laughing. That's how most people do it. This thing is not as innocent as you think. I went to fetch my laptop. I'm going to show you. I have it on camera. You what? I know I said I would leave it alone. But how can I leave it alone if I don't know what it is or what it wants? 
You promised. Keeping things safe is my job. I'd be derelict in my duty. You're a salesman. Watch the video and you'll see. I sat her down and played her the two sequences. What am I supposed to be looking at? The shadow in the window, just look. It's a figure, it's a man. It's nothing. What do you mean it's nothing? It's right there. It's maybe a shadow, but so what? You're fine with that, are you? A man wandering the house when we can't see him and can't know what he's doing. He could be here now and we wouldn't know. Just give me a moment. You're worried because there's something here that we can't see and we don't know what it's doing and we don't even know if it's there. She closed the laptop and stood up. You broke your promise to me. That's bad enough. You sound like you've gone off the fucking deep end. Listen to me, you've got to take this seriously. No, you listen to me. I know exactly what this is about, and it's got nothing to do with ghosts or shadows. It's about you, and your jealousy, and your paranoia. I thought you'd got over this. She was tearing up. But here we are again. You're getting yourself worked up because of things you make up in your head. Before I could defend myself, she cut me off. You want to protect me? I asked you for one thing, to leave this damn ghost alone, just in case. And you couldn't do even that. Right now, Graham, the only person I'm scared of is you. She left me and headed upstairs. Frustrated, angry, I decided I was going to clean up. I didn't need some spirit doing it for me. I didn't need anything from it. I wasn't entitling it to do anything. I knew it was there, smirking at me. It had driven a wedge between us. Maybe that was its plan all along. But I wasn't done with it yet. This wasn't over. This thing was going to show its true colours. I just had to hope Chelsea would see sense. Unfortunately, she didn't want to be anywhere near me. I needed to let her cool down. I stayed downstairs all evening watching TV, hoping the thing was nowhere near her. She couldn't say she hadn't been warned. Later in the evening, she unexpectedly came to talk to me. I decided I'm going to choose to believe that you're behaving like this because you're spooked out by the ghost, and that if we can sort this out, you'll get yourself sorted and stop worrying about who I talk to and when, once and for all. She handed me a post-it note. It's my friend Gillian's phone number. I met her at an alternative medicine conference last year. She's professionally intuitive. It took a moment for me to understand what that meant. You mean she's a psychic? Scoff if you want, but unless you've any ideas for what to do, I'm happy with how things have changed. You're the one with the problem. I'll let you make the call, darling. I tossed the note on the coffee table. I wanted to screw it up and throw it away. But if there was a... A chance it might help me to understand how to get rid of this infernal thing. Was it too late to call now? Couldn't believe I was going to have to do this. Talk to some daft old bag. There was no answer, saving me some awkward explaining, so I left a message. Psychic Jillian called back the next day before lunch. She missed a trick by not saying she'd been expecting our call. 
I had to hide in the disabled loo at work so I could describe the situation without risk of anyone overhearing. She gushed about Chelsea, about her positive vibrations and so on. I just wanted to get down to business. I tried to keep to the facts as we knew them. She agreed to come over after the following evening. Before letting her in, Chelsea shot me a look. You're going to be nice, aren't you? Of course, I said, as if it was my nature to be rude to people. She still looked unconvinced. Psychic Jillian shared big hugs and kisses with Chelsea. I offered a more reasonable handshake. She was everything I dreaded, a cat lady with uncountable layers of scarves and blouses. She had a doughy figure with waist-length hair you'd need a plough to brush through. The performance started right away. After only a few steps, she had a sudden twitch. Chelsea was all over it. Did you feel something? It's a funny thing. Sometimes it takes a while for me to warm up and clear my head. But you know, as soon as I crossed the threshold, I felt something. Like a feeling of tension, hostility. Not something malevolent, but it's all pent up, locked in. It's very peculiar. Chelsea shot me another look and I shot her one right back. I'd been polite, I'd barely said a thing so far. We took her through to the kitchen and I ran her through events. Doesn't sound like a bad deal, she said. I wish I had someone cleaning up after me. That's what I think, said Chelsea. But if there's some kind of intruder in our home, I want to know there's no risk, I responded. And you were worried too at first, I told Gillian about Archie's story. She was prowling around the cabinets like she was looking for where we kept the coffee, or maybe the silver. Urban myths do often link back to something real that did happen. Every story starts out somewhere, but it's not normal for ghosts to be so proactive. Why would something just want to come in and clean? I asked. Ghosts aren't complete things like you and I. They're just aspects of their former selves. If this thing is doing the cleaning, that might just be what they did in their former life and they can't let go of the habit. She stopped near the cooker. Although normally they're driven by strong emotions, spirits get trapped on this side of the veil because of something powerful that's unresolved, something that was painful to them, an emotional bond to cleaning. There'd have to be something else going on, I'm sure. Resisting an I told you so glance, I reminded Gillian that I'd caught it on tape. He has shadows and blurs on video. It is a bit weird, Chelsea conceded. Well, that's normal. If you could see them, they wouldn't be ghosts now, would they? Gillian watched the video and seemed rather intrigued. I asked her about the shadow in the window and how it seemed too large to be feminine. She wasn't convinced. I'm not getting masculine energy from inside the house. Yourself excluded, of course. Although well, there is something hostile in here. After the video, we took her through the rest of the house, giving her time to feel the resonance in each room. This consisted of her wandering around a bit with her eyes closed and holding her hands out in front of her like she was begging for spare change. 
She would move her lips as if talking to someone, but I couldn't hear what she was saying. After the full tour, we returned to the hallway. The spy not believing a word of it, I was getting desperate. I did want to hear her prognosis. What I'm getting, the sense I have of this person is that she's afraid. She's afraid someone's watching her. And it's definitely a she, and of what that person might do to her. But her feelings are confused. She feels something for them. But her heart may lie elsewhere. She knows they have a dark side and that scares her. It's so difficult because she's resisting contact. She doesn't want to come out because she's so conscious about being seen. It's hard to interpret all the feelings I'm getting. It's quite tiring when they resist contact. We have seen everywhere now, haven't we? There's just the basement, Chelsea said. But it's a work site right now. It's not safe to go down there. Oh, that could explain a lot. You might have disturbed something. She seemed to stop talking before she'd finished her thought. It's not just that I feel tired. I feel... I feel sadness. I'm not sure why. Sometimes you get these feelings. You don't always get a full picture of everything. Maybe I'll be able to centre and pull it all together. But what do we do about it? I was getting tired of this pantomime. Hmm? The ghost. I don't want some strange thing wandering about my house, invisibly. Oh, there's cleansing rituals and things you can do. But I don't think you really have to worry about anything. I think it's more likely to be afraid of you. She looked away suddenly and furrowed her brow. I feel like there's something I'm missing, but... Oh, I don't know. I opened the door and she shuffled out, lost in a world of her own. Spells and incantations it is then, I declared. Chelsea was looking at me with arms folded. I just feel better with it gone, darling. I don't care if it's harmless, it had just put my mind at rest. She was talking about us, you clown. The vibrations she was getting were from us. But if I recall, she said the ghost didn't like to be seen. That would hardly tie with you. You've checked and answered your phone twelve times this last hour. I think she was referring to you and your jealous paranoia. Well, it's hard sharing someone with half the internet. But as that's how you make your living, I'll have to make do with casting the runes and making sure our home is the one place we're free from prying eyes. Do what you want. I don't need this negative energy. I'm going to pack. The brand publicity launch was tomorrow. She'd be away overnight again. It's amazing how she can be cynical or gullible, depending which benefits her in the moment. Jillian is incredibly wise and sensitive when she's being interviewed for a YouTube clip. But she must be incredibly wrong if Chelsea needs to get one over on me in an argument. She should be happy. The ghost is more afraid of us. That rather puts to bed any notions of horse homicide. Which is what had me making silly promises in the first place. But it's all about me now. All that matters is that I broke a promise that I actually didn't need to make. Did Chelsea's heart now lie elsewhere? I didn't know. First things first, I was going to get rid of the damn thing one way or another, so our sanity could be restored. 
If that meant casting some stupid spell, then so be it. But cleansing spells turn out to need special ingredients. I wasn't going to be able to get some jasmine buds and sacred lotus on Amazon, and I'd hardly have time at lunch to pop into Holland and Barrett to see if they had any organic bladder rack. A simple circle of salt would have to suffice. I'd try that first and get gradually more ridiculous if that didn't work. That evening I roamed the house with a bag of Anglesey sea salt. I came up against a rather obvious problem early on. How do you create a circle around a terraced house? There couldn't be any break in the circle, so it would have to be made inside. I started to pour the salt around the skirting board of the inside wall. I was chancing that the spirit was outside at this time and not inside. I had no real sense of whether it was there or not. It had been outside at this time according to the timestamp on the video, and Psychic Gillian said it was more for hiding. She'd also said it was a girl despite the looming shadow, but I'd just be happy to be rid of the blasted thing. I had to repeat an incantation as I poured the trail. Pure salt. Protect this home and all who reside here. Keep out those who seek to enter without consent. Keep out those who may harm us and protect us from the negativity, anger and fear. I had to hope the spell wouldn't be affected by me sounding a bit sarcastic. Then I wondered whether we'd have to keep the circle there always. Did it need to be permanent? Besides it raising questions every time we had people over, and would get rubbed away as they walked in and out. We'd have to keep topping it up, surely. It took about ten minutes to cover the ground and connect the trail back at the front door. On the plus side, if it didn't work, the ghost might at least hoover it up for me. I sat in the kitchen and poured myself a glass of Hennessy. Maybe nothing would happen, and that could mean I'd be in for a long wait. Perhaps here till morning. Watching the sun go down, I thought about Chelsea and about the event launch, and whether I really wanted to be married to someone in the public eye. Perhaps if she was successful enough, we could move to the country. Somewhere the broadband and phone signal was weak, and I could have her to myself again. I'd almost dozed off by the time I felt a shadow pass over me. I sat upright and got onto my feet. Slowly I walked to the door. Standing in the hall, I watched as the door handle started to turn. Slowly it bent, like someone trying to not make a sound. The handle went all the way down, but the door didn't open, so it flipped back up. I watched it happen again. As the handle bent down, I saw the door shift. There was pressure on it. Then there was a thud. Something was pushing against the door. Another loud thump followed, then another. The handle flipped up and down and back again. The thing was trying to force its way through. It was making no effort to be quiet. There was no figure in the glass. No one standing outside, yet it continued. I could see the pressure being put on the door. It groaned, strained a little in the frame. I wasn't sure what to do. The thumping sound continued, got more aggressive. It was trying to barge the door down. Would it realise it couldn't get in? Perhaps the door wouldn't hold out. Then I heard a little creaking sound. 
It came from the kitchen. I turned around and looked through the doorway. I watched as one of the kitchen cupboard doors just opened up, all by itself. I took a step inside. I watched in horror as a shelf full of fine china slid out and tumbled to the floor, smashing on impact. The same happened to the shelf below. Cups and glasses flew off the shelf and crashed to the ground. The next cupboard opened and I dashed towards it, throwing my arms out to stop them. I wasn't fast enough. The dishes tumbled out and slipped through my hands. I was in time to swivel around and stop the next door from opening. I held it back and put myself in a position where I could easily jump to block any of the other cupboards from being opened. In a fit of rage, the ghost struck the blender off the counter. The fruit bowl followed. Apples and bananas leapt into the air, and the bowl shattered against the radiator. The bin rose up off the ground and went flying into the breakfast table. Suddenly my eyes locked onto the knife block, and I screamed, All right, no more! Stop! Stop! I ran out of the room and back to the front door. It was still taking a pounding. I kicked the salt away, yelling, It's broken! The spell is broken! Darting back to the kitchen, I saw another door open. I bolted towards it, desperate to catch our La Creuset pans. But the door just hung open. I stood there, arms out, ready to catch them. I stood waiting. They stayed where they were. The big shock came from behind. There was a loud bang as the door flew open and smacked against the stopper on the wall. I went back into the hall. I was a trembling mess. It had got inside after all, except that it had been inside all the time. It didn't make sense unless there was more than one of them. Where were they now? There were no signs in the hall, the kitchen and the living room. Everything was quiet, even though my heart was racing and I was sweating all over. There was a chill on my back. A breeze was blowing in from outside. I slowly closed the door. That was probably okay to do now. I assessed the damage in the kitchen. I knew I'd have to clean this up myself. I salvaged what was salvageable, picked up, swept up and hoovered up the rest. When I was done, I went to my bedroom and barricaded myself in until morning. I slept a little, not much. I wasn't aware of any attempts to get inside. The next morning, I went downstairs to find things just as I'd left them. There were dirty dishes, bits of china I'd missed, and the broken circle of salt. Our fevers had come to an end. In fact, that was the beginning of the end. What happened next, it lacked blood and guts, but it destroyed us all the same. My phone started to ring while I was cleaning up the salt. The number was unknown. When I answered it, I found myself talking to a journalist. Sorry to bother you in the middle of the day, but I just wanted to ask a few questions, if that's okay. She gave me no time to refuse. You're the husband of Chelsea McCannon, the wellness influencer. Where'd she gotten my name from? She's a brand ambassador for Everall Fitness, isn't she? 
Do you know anything about Everall, Mr. McCannon? I'm not involved in my wife's business. Does she perform any kind of vetting before she decides to represent a brand? Well, she tests their products, tries them out, that sort of thing. Does she ever do a background check? I don't know. That's for her people to sort out. Does she even Google them? What's this about? Is she aware of the factories in Malaysia where Everall makes its products, which have been criticised for poor working practices in a report by Amnesty International, or the investigations into multi-level marketing practices which are alleged to have driven people into bankruptcy in the United States? I was stunned. I didn't know how to answer. Do you think it's important for people who have a well-being platform to promote ethical, responsible brands to their followers? I hung up and called Chelsea. Graham, the event went really well last night. The pictures are going up this morning. Engagement is really strong so far. Didn't want to burst her bubble, but I had to tell her. She said she didn't know anything negative about Everall, and that its founder Gus wouldn't be involved in anything sordid. When I asked her if she'd done a background check, she said, Of course, we must do. She snapped at me for ruining her moment and hung up the phone. By the time she got home that evening, everything had gone into meltdown. The piece on the Huffington Post had been published, and the shares and likes were through the roof. The piece was titled, How Big Business Uses Pretty White Girls to Wipe Their Records Clean. Chelsea's endorsement of Everall was not the only example, but she was the framing device, the case in point. A conference call with her management was set up in my office, I stayed out of it but could hear the shouting and screaming from the living room. She was panicking and this time not even Nita could calm her down. In real time, I watched the crisis unfold on Twitter. Ah, Chelsea Mack, how could you? You're supposed to be about wellness goals, but obviously you don't care about wellness of poor, exploited peoples. Weekly wellness tip from at Chelsea Mack. Take lots of money and don't give a shit about anyone else. Hashtag cancel Chelsea and any other stupid whore who thinks it's a good idea to take money from capitalist corporate psycho fucks. Some comments got very dark. There were threats on her life. Threats on her body. People saying they'd track her down and do things to her. She came out of the meeting in tears, and I returned to my old role of protector. I offered her reassurance. These people were keyboard warriors, triggered snowflakes. We had no reason to believe they could find us. I could organise for someone to watch the house for us if we needed to, call in a favour. I returned from exile on the sofa. I got to hold and comfort her until morning. Then it was time to face the baying crowd. The first step of damage control was the recording and releasing of a new video. I allowed it to be shot in my office. Chelsea explained in a subdued but still sunny way that the reports were about practices in the old company. Ever all had grown so fast that they had made mistakes in the beginning, but things were changing. She'd spoken to Gus and he'd talked her through the steps they were already taking. She was going to hold him to his promises and be an agent for positive change. It was all rather desperate, but the agency had their playbook and she wasn't the first influencer to face backlash. They said it would all blow over, they could rebuild. Her brand was still valuable. But things did not die down. 
the embers of outrage kept on catching fire. A picture surfaced of Chelsea at an awards event with a London MP. Under pressure from the mob, this MP condemned Chelsea for whitewashing corporate abuses. Then someone in the Green Party took a crack at the MP for not doing enough when they were in government. Other celebrities joined the fight. The argument made one of the breakfast shows a few days later. With the noise getting louder, other brands backed away. The Smoothie brand withdrew their partnership, leaving her with a dozen unbroadcast videos and a legal battle if she ever wanted to recover the expenses. In just days, the business she'd spent years building collapsed. All those real relationships vanished. Whoa! At Chelsea Mac has lost over a thousand more followers this morning. Who's even sponsoring her now? Lol, I want to see at Chelsea Mac's new video about how healthy eating and exercise can put back together the shattered shards of your pathetic existence. Hashtag Thursday lols. I was her reassuring, stoic shoulder to cry on, never uttering any reproach, never an I told you so, or you should have seen this coming, or why didn't you just Google them? I was dutiful, I was sympathetic, and I cleaned the kitchen when she wasn't looking so she wouldn't suspect anything was amiss, so she wouldn't come to any conclusion that I'd somehow created this mess by incurring the wrath of the spirits. This whole thing happened because of her weak decision-making and willing self-deception. It couldn't really be my fault. But I get to suffer anyway. A follow-up piece appeared in the Huffington Post called How the Privileged Set Sees What It Wants to See. Turns out we weren't just pretty faces cleaning up a company's reputation. We were a privileged, rich, white, cis couple who'd built ourselves a perfect white suburban life of the blood and slavery of poor minorities. I was named in the column. I worked for a company that did business with a data firm repeatedly fined for violating privacy laws. We worked with Saudi businessmen known for their violations of human rights law. Me and Chelsea were equal partners in ethical compromise. None of these were my decisions. I just worked there. I didn't get to say who we did business with and who we didn't. We just provided the security. It's not for us to question their ethics. Everyone is entitled to protection. Clients don't take kindly to having their business shamed in public. I was taken off the auction house account and it was suggested I should take some time off, make myself scarce so as not to offend the business owners and allow bridges to be mended. Chelsea's income was disappearing. Mine was up in the air. We were both stuck at our home, our futures hanging by a thread. Chelsea was doing workout videos, presenting a brave face to the world as if she'd never put a foot wrong. Her management were desperately trying to find a way out of her contract. She was still brand ambassador for Everall, and still obliged to promote them should they require it. She was letting Nita manage her social accounts to avoid further trauma. Disconnected from the world, she had little or nothing to do with her days. Stuck at home together, we were getting on each other's nerves. With my own career facing the toilet, I was finding her epic sulks and tantrums too much to bear. She started sleeping late, reneging on her own healthy lifestyle goals and sinking into a depression. I was spending my days job surfing and digging up old contacts for leads, 
then painting my model cars or just drinking and watching sky movies. Then the final blow landed. Just when we thought it couldn't get any worse, a friend alerted me to a message board. The message was posted anonymously, but it could only be from one of the neighbours. I hate these hashtag Tory scum. They lied to the council, said they weren't building a mega basement under their house, but they are. You want to run them out of town with me? Want to know where they live? And there it was. Our home address. Published for the world to see. We weren't safe. I had to coax a distraught Chelsea into packing a few suitcases and getting out of there. For how long, I don't know. I put us into a hotel, a good one in the hope of keeping her spirits up. But I wasn't sure how long we could afford it now. Overnight, someone threw a tin of red paint against the front facade. For a moment, I thought it was blood. I was glad Chelsea wasn't there to see it. I got some people in to clean it away and never told her about it. Her depression grew deeper. Nita and her management were struggling to motivate her, and I had no positive energy left. Nita warned her that if she didn't get her act together and keep her figure, the agency would stop supporting her. But Nita was no longer getting through, and it was clear Chelsea's management intended to use her as a scapegoat. If it was all Nita's fault, then neither they nor Chelsea were to blame. Nita could be dismissed, and they could move on. At least in principle. More likely they'd let Chelsea's career shrivel up and die, leaving her as a working client in name only. She started talking about giving it up. We could go back to basics. Do you remember how it was when you used to help me run the studio? We could start from scratch, build the business up again, one location at a time like it was supposed to be before all the influencer stuff happened. She spoke like it was an easier and better time, as if she'd never liked the attention from the cameras, or the likes, or the shares. We could afford to rent a space with the money we'd make from downsizing the house, she said. We could even maybe use some of the money from the severance package I was negotiating. How agreeable and close to me she was when she wanted to spend my money. Of course we had to sell the house. We couldn't live there now. I had to discuss a new plan with the builders. They just had to finish off the basement, make it presentable for any purpose a buyer might want it for. Every time I went to the house, I found hate mail waiting for us. Someone even sent us their shit in a jiffy bag. One evening after the builders had gone home, I took a long, slow walk around our home, room by room. Most of our things were still there. It didn't look like it had been abandoned in a hurry. In fact, everything looked almost perfect, just like we would have wanted it to. All nice and tidy and clean and organised. Very inviting. It was the kind of home that, under normal circumstances, I would have loved to have come home to. The ghosts had taken it back for themselves. And they were welcome to it. Good luck to you both, I said to the empty rooms from the empty hallway. It's all yours. In one last twist, a few days later, I got a call from the police. The builders had found a body in the basement. They'd discovered by mistake 
a section of cellar wall that had been blocked off. Behind that bricked-up cranny, there was a human skeleton. After a break of six weeks, me and Chelsea were back in the news again. Not just terrible people, but now murderers too? An autopsy confirmed that the body had been there for a very long time, an estimate of over a hundred years. That got us off the hook. Not that anyone wanted to tweet about that. She was confirmed to be a young girl, likely around 18 to 20 years old. She had at least been strangled to death before she'd been entombed. Make of that what you will. Me and Chelsea are still waiting to move into a new flat. After all this time, I finally have her all to myself. If only we had something to say to each other. Thank you for listening to the New Ghost Stories podcast. If you've enjoyed the podcast and would like to support what I do, please consider leaving a review on any platform and subscribing to hear future releases. You can also become a patron and enjoy some bonus content by signing up at patreon.com slash newghoststories. This podcast is written, presented and produced by David Paul Nixon. If you'd like to find out more about New Ghost Stories, visit my website, newghoststories.substack.com. And to get all the latest from me, follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Mastodon at New Ghost Stories. Next time on the New Ghost Stories podcast, in the first of our two-part season finale, it only takes one act of vandalism to change a life forever. <laughs> <laughs>